Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. This morning I want to share with you a few thoughts from the scriptures on what it takes to be the light of the world, shining the light that God has put in us. Jesus, when he lived on earth, when he was preaching to the multitude in Matthew chapter 5, from verses 14 to 15, he says this, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. It is the will of God that we need to shine for His glory. And we are the light of the world in the words of our Lord Jesus Himself. And Jesus wants us to live here on earth as the light of the world. And that's the purpose for which He has kept us here on earth. He has redeemed us. He has made us special so that we can live a life which is different. In the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 to 15, the apostle Paul echoes that message from the heart of Jesus there. It says here, Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi and he has worked hard to bring them up as children of God. He has discipled them and he's writing a letter to them and he's saying that my labor would not be in vain if you shine as lights in this world. And he says, live as children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now that's the heart of God. When God has left us here on earth to live a life, He wants us to live that life of being different from a crooked and perverse generation. Well, the world that we are living in today is pretty much the same or possibly even worse than what it was during the time of Paul. Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians, but what he wrote there at that point of time is not just relevant for that particular church, but it's relevant for the church of today. It was relevant for the church of the past. It is relevant for the church of the future as well. If there's one thing that's happening, the world is becoming more and more perverse. But at the same time, we're also seeing that God's people are standing up for His glory. And that's God's will for you and me to stand up for His glory and to shine His light and to live a life where we are reflecting His glory without fault, blameless, upright, righteous in a crooked and perverse generation. We are the representatives of God and God's plan has always been to make men whom He made in His image to be His representatives. There are many times God does not go there Himself, but He sends His agents to go there and intervene in a situation. In Exodus chapter 7 verse 1, we find that Moses was sent to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. 
And this is what God has to say to Moses. See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. Moses went there as the representative of God. If Pharaoh had to have an encounter with God, it was enough for him to meet with Moses and understand for him the heart of God. And that's what God wants us today for us to do as well. We are called as the sons of light in John chapter 12, verses 35 to 36, because we have been created in God's image. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Amazing words that the Lord Jesus gave, more like a parting message to a group of people there. And He said that, live as light. And then he says, believe in the light. Then he says that you may become the sons of light. There are many people who live in darkness and they do not know what they are missing out. On a cold winter night, I was driving on Hindur Main Road and close to home and that particular evening it rained heavily and there was this puddle of water and the road did not have lights. It was pretty dark. And I saw a group of people holding hands and walking through the puddle of water. And what caught my attention was not the fact that there was a group of people that were walking in darkness, but what caught my attention was that each of them had a white stick with them. Then I realized that they were all blind. And it was very dark in the night. The first reaction that I had was, I feel so sad for these people who had to walk in the night, in the darkness, these blind people. But then it dawned on me, for them it doesn't make a difference whether it's day or night. For us, if it is dark in the night, we have a problem. But for them, it's the same all over. And that's the state of the world that we're living in today. They do not know what is right and what is wrong because they do not know what is the light and what is darkness. And they've been stuck in the darkness. And in such a world, God has placed us to be His representatives, to live for His glory and to represent Him and to throw the light into a dark world. And the source of that light is Jesus Himself. As it says in John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In a crooked and perverse generation, in a generation which is ridden with despair and hopelessness, when people do not know where to go and what to look for, they're living in darkness. Jesus says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness darkness because I am the light of the world. That's an invitation that we have experienced, many of us, by responding to that invitation. To go there to a place of relationship with the Savior. To stand there in, a presence, in the presence of glory and to experience that light. That's an invitation that many have not responded yet. Many of us who have come to the cross Many of us who have experienced what it is to be ransomed, what it is to be redeemed, what it is for our sins to be washed and our penalties to be paid, we stand there experiencing that light. But there are many who are still walking in darkness. 
and this light is life. In John chapter 1 verses 4 to 5, it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It is not just any other light which is an ornamental light, but it is a light which can transform, which can redeem, which can bring in a change, which can throw a light into areas where we need to change and can bring change. It is life itself. And you and I, as those who have a relationship with the Savior, you and I, as those who have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, have that experience of receiving that life and reflecting that light. But there are many who do not have that yet. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, it says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God of this age, that is Satan, the evil one, the prince of the air, has blinded the eyes of those who are living in. And the only way the blindness can go is when the light shines into their lives and we take the light into their lives. And as Jesus enabling us to do that, it says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. It is the command of God. It is the will of God. It is the heart of God that those who are living in darkness should come out of darkness and the darkness should be dispelled. It is not fate or destiny for them to just be there, rotting there in the darkness, but it is their destiny to come into light and we have a role to play. Unfortunately, today we see that even in the church and even in the Christian lives, the light and the life that the light provides has been compromised. People have given into a life of compromise by dabbling around with the kingdom of darkness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Apostle Paul writes, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? The many times that we as children of God, we as children of light, and we as the light of the world bring in areas of darkness into our life by compromising in our Christian living. And that compromise has even seeped into the church many times. Whether it is the church that we see today, the institution of the church embracing homosexuality, sexual perversions which are overlooked, lifestyles which are compromised, and sometimes in the name of being available for evangelism, accepting the standards of the world as something which is cultural, adopting into cultures which are local, and saying that it's okay to do this. It's okay to do this. Everybody does this on a university campus. Everybody does this in a corporate world. And it's okay to do this. If I don't do this, I do not get the approval of men and I do not have their favor. And that's something that God had known years back, 
ages back that could possibly happen with man. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 10 to 16, you see a passage where Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and he goes there to get this, the Ten Commandments for the second time. The first time the Ten Commandments were given to Moses, he came down from that mountain and he found that the people of Israel had sinned. They had made a golden calf for themselves and got into idolatry. And Moses broke those tablets which were written by the finger of God. And here he is going up to the mountain again. And there in that mountain, God is making a covenant with the people of Israel. And he's saying, the reason I'm making this covenant is because I want you to experience me doing marvelous things in your midst, such as never has been seen in any other nation of the world. So that you don't make a covenant with the people out there because of fear, because of a fear of non-acceptance, because of a fear of being ostracized, because of a fear that you cannot conform to them and they don't treat you well. Let's read that passage in Exodus chapter 34, verses 10 to 16. It says, and he said, behold, I make a covenant. This is what the Lord was saying. Before all your people, I will do marvelous things such as have not been done in all the earth nor in any nation and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord for it is an awesome thing that I will do before you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hevite and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred places, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot, that with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and one of them invites you and you eat his sacrifice and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. Isn't that so representative of what is happening today in the world that we are living in and sometimes seeping into the church as well? People dabbling around with what's happening outside. The Word of God says, do not conform to the world, but be transformed. And you need to be living in the world, but do not conform to the world. And here's what the Lord is saying. Take heed for yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You don't need to make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land for prosperity. You don't need to make a covenant and blend in. That's a word that many people use for you to experience blessings and prosperity. Blessings come from the Lord. It says here in verse 10, Before all your people I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people whom among you are shall see the work of the Lord. And that's the covenant that he's making. After saying that, he gives the Ten Commandments. And then he says, follow those commandments. Today we see that in the church, there are people who have just gone ahead. When I say when I say church, I'm not talking about one particular church. I'm talking about Christianity in general. And the word that is used here is playing the harlot. Harlot is another word for prostitute. A prostitute has no allegiance to anyone. Dabbles around with multiple relationships. 
And there are people who have just gone ahead and many of us have gone ahead and dabbled around with multiple philosophies, multiple relationships with various things that belong to the world for the simple reason that we do not put our trust in God alone. Where if we put our trust in God alone, if we believe that God will bless us far beyond anyone else, God fulfills His promise. J.C. Ryle said this, Let your Christianity be so unmistakable, your eye so single, your heart so whole, your walk so straightforward, that all who see you may have no doubt whose you are and whom you serve. When people see us, do they see that these people are different because they do not compromise and what they are created to be. They do not compromise on fulfilling the purpose for which their God has put them here for. And do they recognize that we are children of the Most High God? And if we do, we live as per the purpose of God. Otherwise, we are going ahead and we are compromising. With social drinking and parties, it's okay. I cannot but succumb to the pressure there whether it is accepting gifts with religious connotations. All of these are sometimes stuff that we need to pray about and avoid and ask the Lord for strength. I want to share with you a couple of thoughts on how we can take that light forward and we can go ahead and we can be a blessing to people it's good to actually experience the light ourselves and be the light. But a light is ineffective if it does not shine into darkness. It's important for us to go and shine into darkness. It's important for us to dispel the darkness. I want to share with you a couple of principles. The first principle is to move from believing to living. Moving from believing to living. In Revelation chapter 22, I want you to take you to the last part of the Bible, the last page of the Bible, the last few verses of the Bible. And if you look with me to verse 20, which is the last but one verse, it says, I am coming quickly. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so. Come, Lord Jesus. And the last verse says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Isn't that powerful? The whole Bible ends with a statement of love from the Lord Jesus saying, I am coming quickly. It's like someone writing a love letter saying that, I'll be there with you soon. Now that's what the Bible is all about. Somebody said B-I-B-L-E stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And if that's what you look at it as, as a love letter from God, as a letter of instruction from God, the last portion is where Jesus is saying, I am coming quickly. And which means that these are words of life. These are words with a purpose. But before that, as I take you to a couple of verses, it says here in verse 14, Blessed are those who do these commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever 
loves and practices a lie. You know, many times we believe in lies. It's okay to do that. It's okay. It doesn't matter. That's a lie. And practicing a lie is even worse because you believe a lie and you practice a lie. And here it says here, blessed are those who do His commandments. Now that's a blessing to fulfill what the Bible is telling is indeed a blessing. And then it says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He is indeed the light, the bright and morning star, much more powerful than thousands of suns. That's the kind of glory that he has. And that's Jesus introducing himself. Fulfill my commandments so that you are inside the gates. And then he says, I am the bright and morning star. So what does it mean here? You can experience the light, but it all comes down to blessed are those who keep the commandments. It's believing and then going ahead and living. If you live by what the light of the world is teaching us, people would see a different person. In a crooked and perverse generation, that's exactly what is required. A frame of reference for a righteous living. A frame of reference for a victorious living. You know what? If I don't give a bribe, or if I don't do this, I cannot get things done. But if there is an example of a person who got something done without giving a bribe, then people would say, I think that's a nice example to follow. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. To move from believing to living. Charles Spurgeon said this, The Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians, you are the light of the world. You have access to this book. People out there may not have access to the book. They may not open the book even if somebody gives it, but they have access to you. And if you're living by these commandments, they see and then they believe. You are the light of the world. The second principle, if you were to go and reach out to people, is to move from whiteness to brightness. It's so nice to lead a life of holiness, to pursue a life of holiness. There are many people who want to read the Word, immerse themselves in the Word, understand the Word. They go ahead from this Bible study to that Bible study, from this YouTube channel to that YouTube channel, hear so many sermons, read up so many commentaries and so many books, but all of that, if it is centered around how I'm going to keep myself clean, and if they do not focus on how I can shine that glory into other people's lives, it's of no meaning. God has not placed you here on planet Earth for yourself alone. God has not placed you here on planet earth so that you can go for a job and enjoy your job or you can sit back and you can enjoy your home or you can go for a vacation and you can be yourself. God has placed you to live here as His agent, as the light of the world so that you fulfill that purpose of ministering into people's lives and taking that light into people's lives. You would have heard about Helen Keller, a lady who's born blind, but she had invested into many people's lives and started many blind schools. She said this, 
walking with a friend in darkness is better than walking alone in the light. And the many times today Christians have got into walking alone in the light. There's so much enjoy being holy. Holiness is like light, like whiteness. You've seen white milk? It's pure. White as snow. White as milk. Can you change the color of milk? You can. You go and ask for a strawberry milkshake. A strawberry milkshake has got strawberries crushed and dropped into them. And what's the color of strawberry milkshake? White. If you stand up at a counter and somebody gives you a strawberry milkshake which is white in color, then you would find that the guy is cheating you, right? So a strawberry milkshake will be pink and that color of the milk changes because you put something in that. You take a crushed ice, which is like snow, and you have something called gola, where you pour something into that, like you put a juice into that, and the color of the ice changes, and you start sucking it, and then it becomes white again. So you can change the color of something which is white. You've got something white here. Now it's a bulb. You can go ahead, you can rub some color on it, you can make it dirty or whatever it is. But the moment you take this bulb and put it in, it's bright. You cannot throw darkness on this bright light. Now for some of us, you cannot look at this light, it's so bright. And imagine if you are the light of the world and you are reflecting God's glory, darkness cannot prevail over you. Amen? And that's what we are called for. And we need to take this light into places which are dark. And that's what God has called us for. And if we do not use that light effectively and we keep it to ourselves, it's of no use. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 to 14, it says, You were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest in the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. It's important for us to go and throw the light into areas that God wants to convict those people for. You know, I was reading yesterday a blog by Asutosh, who was a former journalist who now is with the Aam Admi Party, and he was writing a one-page blog on Sandeep Kumar, who was a former minister with the Delhi government, uh, who got caught with a sex tape of him having sex with a woman. Now, Asutosh's point of view, though the Aam Admi Party removed this man from membership and from ministership, Ashutosh's point of view was, what is wrong with what Sandeep had done? It was consensual sex between two consenting adults, and they did it in the privacy of their bedroom, and they shot a film. Why are we so concerned about the private lives of people? What is done in private has nothing to do with what a person done, does in public. We got to leave the private lives alone.
Now there are many takers for that kind of an argument. But let me tell you, that's not what the Bible talks about. What you do in private has an impact on your moral fabric. If you are something in the private and you are something else in the public, you are a hypocrite. That's it. There's a word for that. You're a hypocrite. And we do not want to be governed by people who are hypocrites and we don't want to see hypocrisy in our society. And that's where throwing the light is very important. So that they are convicted of what they need to change, of what they do in secret. Job said in chapter 24 of Job, verse 13, there are those who rebel against the light. They do not know its ways, nor abide in its path. There are people who rebel in, in, against the light. This is conscious decisions that people take to compromise in their lifestyle. Conscious decision to break commandments for convenience. Conscious decisions that people take in rebellion against what is taught in the church and from the scriptures. Now this is a group of people who rebel against the light. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, the Apostle Paul says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You know, when people do not know that the wrath of God is coming upon those who are not in the light, it is so shameful if we do not take the light into their lives and help them see where they need to change. John chapter 3, verse 16, a very familiar verse where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in Him will not perish. Which means that who do not believe in Him are perishing. I'm using the word are perishing because even as we sat here in the last 45 minutes or so, you know, listening to the word of God, there are people out there who have died without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we are keeping our light to ourselves and our holiness to ourselves, we are only focusing on being white. We need to move from whiteness to brightness. Amen? So that we all go and do that. We all go and live a life of light so that we shine for His glory and there are people's lives which change. The next principle I want to share with you is to move from preaching to reaching. I can stand up here and I can preach from the Word of God. Many of you could possibly do the same. But if you do not go out to the people who need God and witness to God, we are not really living up to what God wants us to do. Preaching is easy, but reaching is tough. If you want to carry the light and be the light of the world, we need to be reachers more than preachers. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, and many other verses in the Old Testament which referred to the tabernacle that was built those days. The tabernacle is referred to as the tabernacle of meeting. 
And you see here in, in the verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. This is a place where Moses met with God. Moses had fellowship with God as a friend of God, and then he got the message from God and passed it on to the people. Today, as you move on into the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, the Bible says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are the tabernacle of God. The tabernacle is a tabernacle of meeting. The tabernacle is not a tabernacle of isolation. And if you and I need to impact the world that we are living in, and that is the will of God, we are here in the world today as redeemed people living here, so that we can impact the world. That's the only reason that we are alive here. You believe that? That's the only reason that we are alive. Otherwise, eternal life, oh, you're saved, all right. You, 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 know, you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, boom, that's it. Your purpose done, you're dead and you're gone into heaven. It doesn't work like that. You're redeemed and you live here so that you can share about the love of God to others. The tabernacle of meeting, today the tabernacle of, the, of meeting is you and I. Unless until we move around, we will not be able to build a movement for God. It's important that we go and interact with people. Leave from the comfort of our homes. Leave from the comfort of our offices or our office desk. Go meet with people. Let them see the light. Let them feel the light and let them experience God. So that they know that there is a God. And they know that there is a God who loves them. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Lord Jesus, after going to the house of Zacchaeus, makes a very powerful statement. Nobody ever thought that somebody could go to the house of Zacchaeus and least of all, Jesus Christ. But Jesus stops over there, looks up at this man and says, I want to come to your house, Zacchaeus. He goes into his house. The very fact that the light entered into that house, this man was convicted of his sin and he sold half of his belongings giving it out to the poor. And then he recompensed to those whom he has unlawfully got money from manifold. Isn't that amazing? This is exactly what happens when you shine the light into people's lives. But Jesus makes a very powerful statement there. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. They're not going to come to you. We got to go to them. This light can only be effective if we carry the light. Darkness is not going to come to the light, but the light has to go into the darkness to dispel the darkness. Amen? And that's what we have been called for. The parable of the lost coin. The lost coin had to be searched for. The parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd went searching for the lost sheep. It's important for us to go searching for those who are in darkness, and then throw the light on them. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the Lord Jesus tells Peter that he's building the church on the rock, Peter. And then he says, for the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hate shall not prevail against it. Which means that when we go as representatives of the kingdom of light, we can smash through the gates of hell. We can go into the kingdom of darkness and we can redeem those people into the kingdom of light. That's the power of light. If we stay away, we're just keeping the light for ourselves. It's like putting the light under a bowl. 
if I keep this light under a bowl covered up, is it of any use? It's of no use at all. This light needs to be there where it needs to be, shining and dispelling the darkness. The next principle is to move from feeling to healing. Many times we meet with people who are going through problems that we have not gone through. You don't need to go through every problem that every other person is going through or every bondage that every other person has gone through for you to be able to witness to that person and to be a blessing to that person. It's important for us to have a heart of Christ, which is a heart of compassion, to understand why that person is going through that problem, to understand why and how that person feels and then be able to minister to that person in Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 to 14, you find that's two chapters prior to Exodus chapter 34 that we just read where the Lord gave the Ten Commandments for the second time. This is a passage where the Lord gave the first time the Ten Commandments. And when Moses came down, he found that the people were sinning. But after that, the Lord was so upset with them. He said, I'm going to destroy these people. And Moses says... I'm going to intercede for them. And he pleads the Lord not to destroy them. And because of which came the second package of the Ten Commandments because of God's grace. Let's look at some elements in this passage from verses 7 to uh, 14 of Exodus chapter 32. Uh, the Lord said to Moses in verse 7, Go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And then... In verse 9 it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people, willfully breaking the commandments. If you willfully break the commandments, you are a stiff-necked people. If you are stubborn, you are a stiff-necked person. If you argue for everything, you are a stiff-necked person. If you criticize what you hear from the word of God, you are a stiff-necked person. If you complain against what you don't have and you do not see what you have, you're a stiff-necked person. Many of those qualities we experience ourselves. And that's what the Israelites were. And then the Lord says in verse, uh, verse 10, Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make you a great nation. It's like the Lord saying, Moses, Moses, don't interfere. Just leave me alone to do what I want to do. And I'm going to go there. I'm going to destroy these guys. I'm going to pour out my wrath upon them. Moses could have just said, okay, Lord, you understand it very well. I'm as upset as you are against those people. I left my brother in charge and these guys betrayed me. My, bro my own brother betrayed me. No, Moses did not do that. You see in verse 11, then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt and great power and with a mighty hand? And in verse 14 you find, after all that intercession that Moses makes, so the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. This generation needs mighty men of God and mighty women of God to stand up as intercessors. God is not pleased with what is happening today. At the same time, when you look at people, specifically individuals, 
What is your response to what they're going through? Is it a response of condemnation or is it a response of compassion? If you have a response of compassion coming in the way Jesus was led by compassion, you would become an intercessor. You would stand in the gap and pray for that person and you would go ahead and you would bring that blessing from God and the presence of God into that person's life. Look at the turnaround of events in Exodus chapter 32. A nation which could have been wiped out because of what they did was again saved and delivered and preserved because of one man standing in the gap. And that's what God is asking us to do, to move from feeling to healing. If you're just feeling, you would say, I feel so sad for that family. They always go through this problem. I feel sad for that individual. He's suffering from this. You know what? Did you hear about that particular individual who's going through this? Sometimes our feelings can lead to gossip. But if you really carry the light, you would not gossip, but you would get down on your knees and you would use the same lips that you use for gossiping to intercede and bring God's glory into people's lives. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 talks about how Jesus reacted to situations. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. If you want to have a ministry, the fundamental thing that you need to have is a compassionate heart. Without a compassionate heart, you will not be able to go and minister into people's lives. And if light has to be carried, you need to move from feeling to healing. And healing only happens when you feel inside a heart of compassion, carry a lot of a heart of compassion, and then go ahead and minister to people. The last thing I want to share with you is to move away from being a token to being broken. We saw this light. Now you have powerful LED lights there, floodlights there. In the midst of those lights, even if I put 10 such lights like these, these lights will look like ornamental lights. You saw this, you would have seen those beautiful lamps, LED lamps. Decorating people's homes, decorating streets, and they just stand as ornaments. Many times, we who carry the light, we just stand as ornaments. Why? Because we're just there. We need to move from being tokens to being broken. Let me give you a comparison between this light that you just saw and this light that you see here. Now, here's another lamp that you have. But the lamp has got a lot of dirt outside. It's got a lot of coating outside it. And you switch on the lamp, it doesn't shine bright. If we have junk on top of us, if we have our flesh so strong that we refuse to move how God wants us to move, God cannot shine His light through us. It's important for us to go through an experience of brokenness where we allow the Spirit of God to minister through us. Otherwise, our flesh can become an impediment for God's light to shine through us. In the book of Judges, in chapter 7, verse 20, you find Gideon was leading that army. And when these men went to fight against the Midianites, when they reached their destination, they were carrying with them pitchers, or basically pots, with torches put inside the pitcher. But for the torch to become effective and to scare the Midianites that there was an army of people standing there, they had to break the pitcher. 
as long as the torch was inside of the pitcher, the torch is not effective. It says here, as I read verse 20, Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets on their right hands blowing and crying the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. How is your picture today? Are you so thick-skinned? When I say you, I'm speaking to myself as well. No condemnation here. Are we so thick-skinned that we are not allowing the light of God to shine through our lives? Because of our own perceptions, our own interpretations, our own preferences, it's important for us to break our flesh so that He can shine through us. Let me reiterate a couple of scriptures to you before we close and as the worship team comes to lead us in a song, may we be a shining light to the nations of the world. I want us to use that as a prayer. But I'm going to reiterate a couple of things from the scripture before we sing. In John chapter 9 verse 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Which means that when he is moved away from the world today, who is the light of the world? We. Simple, isn't it? He is not here with us physically, but he sent down his spirit, but he has called us and anointed us and christened us as the children of light, sons of light, and the light of the world. If the purpose of Jesus has to be fulfilled on earth, it's important that you and I exercise the role that we have to be the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. If you are a city that is set on a hill, you cannot be hidden from public display. People can see you and people can feel the light. It's important for you to be in a place where you are able to display that light. And in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Why do you shine the light? You shine the light for the simple reason that they may see our good works. And we've all been saved for good works to reflect the glory of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai.com ministries.com